All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. <clears throat> this is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from the Internet Law Center here in the heart of Silicon Beach, downtown Santa Monica. Please be seated. We have a great show for you today. Um, we're going to be covering a lot of topics, but we're going to be mainly talking about the latest trends in, some, in digital media. And we have with us very respected and um, pioneer in digital media here in the Silicon Beach area and uh, a longtime friend, um, Tony Winders um, and uh, with Winders Consulting Group and who has a, a tremendous background. He has been in this space for quite some time. Tony, you're with us. Hello, Bennett. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on the show again. Tony, you go back um, tech in L.A. I mean, you, some of the names that you bring up, you know, you keep forgetting that those organizations were around even. Um, but how did you get your start in tech? Well, I started one of the first interactive agencies in the world in 1995. It was ironically named Interactive Agency, Inc. We later renamed it iAgency. It was a little catchier, but um, that was uh, that was based on a background in public relations and the ability to run a small agency. And so when I saw the web was, com- or at least the commercialized web was coming with a head of steam, I didn't want to look back and say I didn't try to, to do something special with it. And we created a very unique kind of digital marketing agency for its time. It started as a PR firm and morphed into some of the real early search engine marketing, early affiliate marketing kinds of uh, disciplines that ultimately became uh, paid media. And it was a it was a full-service digital advertising shop that I ran from 1995 until 2002. So that mm. was... Uh, that was it. That was kind of the the bulk of that time. But um, what I I got the internet bug in 1993, reading a Wall Street Journal article by Jared Sandberg when he talked about the world coming together around images and and video and sound. And I thought it was the most fascinating thing. And I just couldn't wait to move my my budding PR career in that direction. Did you ever talk to him? No, I never met that reporter, but I was in the PR business, so um, you know, just kind of monitoring, monitoring publications and figuring out where I was going to take my marketing career, and so it led me to um, actually the the games industry is where I really started. And at the at that time, we had a group here in LA called the Interactive Inter- International Interactive Communication Society (IICS) was sort of where I learned a lot very early on from colleagues. And then, of course, we know each other from the VIC right. community, the Venice Interactive community. And so that that social network, when we were all just trying to figure out kind of how to build the commercialized web and kind of bring tech and entertainment together here in L.A., we were we were doing these monthly meetups and, and annual gatherings, big parties during Internet World, during the dot-com heyday. And so Vic kind of fed iAgency, uh, and that was just an exciting time to, to be working in, in the Internet. And we were, you know, we were pioneering, I guess, for our time. And, you know, fade in, fade out, 20 years later, the digital advertising ecosystem is extremely complex and sophisticated. Yes. And so, I, you know, I thought what would be interesting to talk about today is just some of the the latest trends and what's been happening and, um, you know, specifically the, the rise of programmatic, um, the challenges that, the, that we're seeing with ad blocking and then also the, the impending demise of, of flash, a staple of, of, you know, the web for so many yes. years. So. Yes. Now just, um, so, um, full disclosure, Tony and I worked together, um, from 2003, um, you stayed till 2010 at ValueClick. I left in 2007 to launch this firm, and um, but you know Tony had a great reputation and always as an innovator. So um, and let's so let's start off with talking about 
um, programmatic advertising. Um, I saw a quote um, that it is on track to make up approximately 15 it's already already buying 15 billion and then on track to do approximately um 58.6 billion digital advertising this year. No, I'm sorry, I misstated. 14.8 billion of approximately 58.6 billion in digital advertising mm-hmm. this year. And they it's going to be nearly um that's up 5 billion from um just uh a year ago. Yeah, what programmatic advertising is is going to comprise more than half of all ad spend by by the end of 2016. And of course, digital advertising itself uh is going to overtake television advertising in 2018 according to eMarketer. So, I mean, it's just it's a it's a huge multi-billion dollar industry um that just seems to keep keep crescendoing up you know it never plateaus that's what's been fascinating about watching it over so much time and now of course we're we're figuring out uh mobile advertising is another kind of net right. frontier that we're working on but just to back up for a second and explain what programmatic advertising means yes um, just the same way that Stocks are traded on Wall Street through algorithms on the NASDAQ and the Dow Jones. That that kind of concept has come to online advertising. So in a split second, in milliseconds, when any page loads and you're seeing banner ads filled, fill the page, you're seeing a different banner ad than someone else looking at that same page at that split second in time because there are thousands of advertisers bidding for that impression based on what they know about your profile vis-a-vis your cookie, typically, um, although that's different in mobile without the, with about the benefit of cookies. So that's another sort of nuanced technical evolution happening in our industry. But um, the, the efficiency of that is phenomenal uh, insofar as, you know, it's better targeted ads. Uh, you, you know, there's the, it takes out the friction of the buyer seller sort of, uh, you know, madmen era, you know, whining and dining and buying on insertion orders. It's not to say that custom deals for big brands and integrations that are off can't and won't continue to happen off of the, off of the programmatic stack, but, Clearly, the the programmatic is here to stay. And is there a difference know. or any distinction between programmatic advertising and um, automatic bidding? Real time bidding and programmatic advertising are synonymous. Same. Okay. And so it's just really kind of flattened out the ecosystem in the sense that you know we've you're familiar with the term banner blindness. People aren't looking at banners on the periphery of pages, but now those banners are really thrown into the programmatic uh, ecosystem and they're being valued for what they're worth because they're worth what someone will pay to them because they know their metrics and whether they back out. So I think it's the workhorse of the traditional banner ad is really um, not going anywhere. It's such a pervasive unit that's been around for so long. So programmatic sort of values that at what it's worth and now – premium programmatic programmatics coming to video it's coming to mobile uh, and then you know there are all kinds of things happening in terms of native advertising to integrate into the screen and even native is becoming bought and sold programmatically so digital advertising is changing programmatic is definitely forcing a lot of that change and and, and, presumably uh, programmatic advertising is happening because it's yielding higher returns Yes, uh, it it is. It's just a, it's the efficiency of of kind of everybody. One one person's impression is valued differently than another. I might be willing to pay more for for an impression than the next marketer because I know more about that user and their propensity to convert on something. So it's kind of all all relative, uh, but it's definitely uh, it. it Programmatic advertising is approaching search marketing um, capabilities, and that's uh, in terms of performance. Are there any players in this space that distinguish themselves? Oh, I would say AppNexus is really interesting because they've they've just been at it for so long, and they have such a 
a sophisticated technology stack and access into lots of inventory. I mean, uh, of course, here in Los Angeles, the biggest players in that space are uh, Rubicon Project yes. and OpenX. Uh, both are big players in in that in that field. Um, and to a smaller degree, GumGum is is providing programmatic access to its in-image advertising inventory. So that's an example of programmatic inventory that's not available on the open market because it's so unique in putting ads on images. Um, so so the, those, co- those come to mind for me immediately. There's another company I like called Adadyne, A-D-A-D-Y-N. Adadyne is bringing programmatic to the middle market of advertisers. So for the past few years, while the industry's been developing these capabilities it's been reserved for big agency holding companies which own their own trading desks and you have to have a seat on an exchange which comes along with fees and monthly minimums but adadine is bringing that tech stack down to the level of middle advertisers that might only be spending you know between uh, i don't know a hundred thousand and ten million dollars on on their annual advertising and doing a lot of it in search they're they're making it accessible, uh, programmatic accessible, uh, because when you combine the efficiency of that ad targeting with things like retargeting and dynamic display creative, basically changing right. the ad creative on the fly, like there are lots of ways to eke out more performance than displays ever been able to do before. Now, um, that in some ways brings us to ad blocking. And that's the next topic you want to talk about. And to a certain extent, is the success of advertising and particularly this targeted advertising part of the reason why we're seeing ad blocking? I think the the reason we're seeing an increase in ad blocking is because the of the nefarious kind of stuff that goes on. People add ad blocking because they don't want to be tricked into clicking on things they don't want exposure to malware which can be you know can be spread through through unsuspecting publishers or and advertisers that uh that are that you know good good actors can be hit by malware and their users can be so there it's understandable why consumers are kind of increasing their their ad blocking i mean ad blocking is up in the US by 44% over the last year and one company PageFair that measures this says that it's costing publishers 22 billion dollars annually so it's a huge problem uh, and like i said it's understandable why consumers would put would implement uh, ad blocking but at the same time we have to we have to remind consumers that Advertising is what keeps content free, and in the absence of of advertising, the world's going to look like a lot of subscription sites and paywalls. And I don't think consumers want that either. And I hope that the the sophistication of ad targeting leads us to a point where uh, we're actually producing better, more relevant, creative that people care about, and they're not going to be as inclined to to block the ads, but um, the issue is that it runs deep. It's a you know there are that's a long term hopeful outcome. I mean, in right. the near term, there are things like um, ad block, uh, ad block plus, that is kind of one of the biggest ad blocking pieces of software. And I've read, I don't know firsthand, but the major advertising trades are reporting that this company is actually holding. Uh, you know, big advertising publishers hostage and money from big publishers like Microsoft that will pay uh, AdBlock Plus to remove them or whitelist them, so their ads get through. Wow, it's like a ransom. Stone. Yeah, which I my my personal opinion on on its face, and this is sort of a legal question to you is like, I mean, at what point does the FTC step in and deal with that? That just, that that sounds like such an awful racket and I don't understand why it would be allowed. So I'm, I'm keeping my eye on that. Um, well, one thing I have to keep an eye on is that we're going to 
I got one one question for you, and then we'll take a short break. But um, on your comment uh, about ad blocking, you know, in terms of you know, users may not realize, um, you know, the whole full implication of what of using ad blocking. Last week, the Harvard Business Review had a, a report and said just that. Um, what many people don't realize is how important ad blockers have the future of the web. And they said diminishing ad revenues in the public in publishing industry should be a cause for concern for web users. It's likely to force websites out of business, hurting competition, and reducing available content choices. The websites most likely to suffer are those that aren't subsidized by print or television. This challenge is the very notion of content democratization championed by the web. Second, it's almost certainly increased user costs as websites are forced to change for content um, charge for content previously supported by ad revenue, as you suggested. And then finally, it said um, it may force the industry to push for regulation, placing the future of the web in the hands of legislators. So I'm going to ask you what you think about that. But first, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to the Cyber Law and Business Report only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Stay tuned for more of Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Creating a website is not an easy task, and there are so many companies to choose from. How do I know which one is best? It's a big jump making your site mobile-friendly, generating sales, and answering questions with no struggles. If you want to come out on top, you need Frog on Top. At Frog on Top, we take the time to make your site generate money, not just look good. Our team of experts are WordPress savvy, and our customer service is leaps ahead. See why we say our websites are designed better by leaps and bounds by going to frogontop.com. Frog on Top, your one-stop solution for the web. Frogontop.com. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point, click, and it's live in real time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back with Tony Winders, and uh, we had an open question um, about um, the, where we stand now with ad blocking. So, Tony, um, what do you think about that, what the Harvard uh, Business Review stated? Well, I think they raise all of the salient issues of the day, and it's a it's a complex issue. Europe has been really dealing with this longer than the U.S., but we've known that it was going to rear its head here in 2015. It's a part of uh, it's part of the internet culture and the dialogue right now, and I think it's it's an opportunity for a lot of the stakeholders to do their part. You know, ad, ad agencies and creative types can make better advertising. You know, publishers can can help target the ads better to their users. Um, we can all do a better job of uh, 
you know, of, of educating consumers about the benefits of advertising on the ecosystem. And I think there's also a, an opportunity for entrepreneurs as well. Um, I became aware of a, of a site recently that is ostensibly an ad blocker kind of software, but you replace the ads with your intentions and things that are special or important to you, and they'll be collecting information about what what's of interest to you and selling that to advertisers outside of that, and eventually whitelisting advertisers that you're willing to see. Um, so I thought that's that was uh, yeah, that's uh, called intently.com. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a an interesting concept. The idea that I mean, I think the rational uh, appeal to consumers makes a lot of sense and and the, the the concept over the years has been if we deliver more relevant advertising to consumers that they would be more disposed to click on it that it would perform at higher levels you know we weren't really thinking of ad blocking as such a a crisis proportion a few years ago it was just like oh wow when we have more better targeted ads and not to mention breaking outside of the of the kind of box or the rectangle that we've been relegated to in standard banner ads. And that's maybe a good, maybe a good segue to the flash conversation because there is so much interesting, you know, kinds of content and advertising that can be done outside of just the rectangle uh, that we've been confined to over so many years. Rich media is going to make more interesting ad experiences possible. But, but staying quickest, uh, briefly mm-hmm. on the um, the ad blocking, is there anything to be learned from what we're seeing in television with DVR? Yeah, that's a great uh, that's a great point, right? The the skipping of ads, right? Yes. The complete ignoring of ads. I mean, it's it 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 sort of bodes well for the the integrated content, the native advertising, and the the sort of. Uh, Brands as entertainment, brands as publishers, which is another big trend. Content marketing in general is is very popular among brands now because if you can authentically integrate into the feed, um, you know this is something that's very popular right now with brands that are using Snapchat Stories, uh, for example, where just as as someone's scrolling through their Snapchat feed, they might come across an advertiser that's relevant to them. Um, in these kind of 30 second or less videos. Um, so just integrating in culturally appropriate ways, in authentic ways into the content stream is the way that, that advertisers are going to get around this. And then you have the question of scale. You know, how does that scale? And, but we're, we're in an era now where the promise of micro-targeting is upon us. And I think, you know, that has a lot to do with why programmatic is so successful because it, it scales so nicely. Is there anyone who does um, what you, you were just talking about in terms of content, Mark, um, who does that particularly well that you would you kind of single out as being a, a leader in that space? Uh, I think BuzzFeed immediately comes to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, they just took an investment from NBCU for $200 million. So they're, they're sort of a darling of that, of that, uh, area right now, you know, some other native advertising kinds of players that I keep my eye on or like Nativo, uh, is one that comes to mind. Um, let's see what there were, there are a few others that are escaping me right now, but, uh, but suffice it to say that content marketing, driving into a native sort of feed and that kind of that there's there are hundreds of companies doing it honestly and so it's a it's a it's the wild west it's like what i was saying earlier about how online marketing just keeps going up 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 it doesn't um it never plateaus because it's you know we're discovering new ways to communicate with people and we're reacting to consumer behavior and new technologies that are coming along all the time. So it's, it's a fascinating area to work in. I can't imagine being in any other field, honestly. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the, the new plateaus. When you were mentioning that we were um, – that online advertising was surpassing um, television marketing, uh, yeah, I just always remember that was such a huge plateau. And I remember when online advertising passed 
um, movie advertising, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. running those, <laughs> running the ads before the movies. And, yeah. um, you know, and so it's really, uh, um, quite, quite a move, um, in, in a very short time. Um, so, but let's, let's talk about the horror, um, flash opalics. Yes. <laughs> the flash apocalypse. It's a new, new word, new hashtag that, uh, we're, just having some fun with uh, on behalf of one of my clients, the the folks over at Jetpack in Santa Monica, Jetpack.net, they have really done a great job of building for the mobile and responsive future and creating an ad platform that's all about HTML5 um, responsive designed ads. It's a basically an HTML authoring toolkit for for ad creatives and publishers to create amazing kind of outside the box, um, high impact experiences. I encourage you to check it out. If you can imagine, you know, the, the wallpaper that you might sponsor on a, on a website, imagine that's a video wall in the background. That's the kind of unique stuff that Jetpack is doing that goes beyond. Yeah, that's, and it's all HTML five. Um, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Really the issue is that, Flash is dead. I mean, the the but you know Steve Steve Jobs of years, right. but then it just right. happened like all of a sudden they just started imploding in the last couple of weeks. Right. So uh, Safari and Mozilla had already shut it down, but they don't have as much uh, market share as Chrome. So the big the reason that it's kind of a popular topic over the past couple of months is that Google said that the update of Chrome in September is not going to support you know, um, flash animation. And it's funny that uh, they cite battery life as the reason for, that they're doing it, which uh, may be true that a flash animation running in the background might be taking up more of your battery, but I suspect there's a, a lot more um, behind the scenes as to that decision. But nevertheless... The but Flash, I mean, Flash had a function clearly in Adobe. It allowed people to do things that you know they weren't bef- mm-hmm. that what that wasn't available at the at the time. But there have always been a lot of people who just been happy with the constant updates, the crashing. Um, yeah, the 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 demise of Flash actually came out of Apple's labs when they were designing the iPhone. Just kind of the realization of how difficult it was to do and how heavy a load it was to run flash on the iPhone. And so I think that's where it emanated from originally. And then the browsers, um, kind of shut it down. Facebook more recently said they see a security issue. And so there's just this whole choir of voices against flash. And, you know, most recently this kind of Chrome update that's coming and the, the creative and the media community, aren't really ready for it. There are some options. There are conversion software that'll switch, you know, change Flash to HTML5, and Google and Adobe both offer that solution. But the real solution is probably to develop ads in a native HTML5 JavaScript environment to begin with. Right. And that's going to take some retooling. A lot of people's jobs are on the line that are in the Flash world. Uh, and so... Um, they need to be retrained, and the industry needs to create new standards for HTML5 creative. And just yesterday, the IAB announced that they are working on on these HTML5 ad creative standards, and they opened up for public comment the first version of a document that will move us in that direction over the next 9 to 12 months. So it's good to see that, that the industry's getting religion and it's being talked about more, and um, companies like Jetpack and um, Tumult uh, has a software called Hype that allows designers to build in HTML5 and and all of the rich media ad platforms are having to either retool or there's a crop of of younger upstarts like Flight, Seltra, Jetpack is in that category that are built for this mobile future. And I think those companies are going to do really well because they saw this coming five years ago, not not five months ago. So two questions. What one is what is the lesson you know in looking at how 
on the history of Flash and Adobe. I mean, how has Adobe managed this process, and have they been caught flat-footed? Well, interestingly, Adobe is part of the initiative with the IAB, so they're part of of that move. In fact, the the headline um, in uh, one of the trades yesterday was the had to do with the IAB, you know, is creating standards and sub sub headline Adobe agrees. So I I think that they're they're up to speed. They understand they need to retool, but they paid something like three or four billion dollars for Macromedia. I mean, that was a huge bet that they made. So, but Adobe is a huge and and relatively quiet digital marketing force. And I think uh, you know you're going to see Adobe continue to be a real leader in that space. I think also um, the merger of of um, AOL and and Verizon is also going to be telling. I think that's as we kind of see a consumer brand so pervasive on mobile, like Verizon connecting with a legacy digital advertising and content creator like AOL. I, I think there's some real interesting possibilities there that, um, that we'll see in the next few years. And also coming at a time when AOL is managing Microsoft's advertising inventory. That's right. So more big mergers could be on the horizon. I mean, with the uh, consolidation of that, our market has been called for for a long time. Uh, there are many more companies than the equity markets can support. So theoretically, you you know, you could say there's a bubble happening in digital marketing, but I I'm not sure I agree with that necessarily. Uh, I I just keep seeing. Lots of growth and new companies and a really healthy advertising ecosystem for the foreseeable future. But I guess the talk is that there isn't a a budding IPO anywhere in in the short future in the, the digital advertising space, or is there? I think that there's still room for it. I mean, but the some of the ad tech stocks that went public in the last couple of years have really brought that sector down, admittedly. Um, but I know at least. Well, uh, at least GumGum in its headlines recently about raising a growth round um, from Morgan Stanley of $26 million. One of the headlines read that GumGum was preparing for an IPO. But, you know, companies can be prepared for that and also have a, you know, a nice exit otherwise. And right. obviously the conditions have to be very ripe. Uh, I don't remember the last uh, – ad tech company to go public in the recent past, but they're still out there. They're just few and far between. I mean, Rubicon went last year, I believe. And uh, there was Rocket Fuel before that. And Rocket and, Fuel tanked is what yeah, I'm and, yeah. And uh, Yumi is also one of that crop that I think of. Tube Mogul, I believe, also uh, – if I'm not mistaken, also went public. So, so, so talking about the flash apocalypse, I know I'm butchering the term. Um, flash apocalypse. In what does that mean for like you know website operators? You know, are, are, are they going to have problems in having their um, you know websites displayed properly? No, it's actually it's actually the publishers who can drive the change. These are the the players in the ecosystem that can force the advertisers, the, the agency media and creative people mm-hmm. to come together and figure this out. And they can do that just by putting their own HTML five standards forth of what they're, what, you know, how they want to accept those ads uh, and what their parameters are. And of course the IAB creative standard will help as that initiative, but the publishers, uh, you know the publishers do need to retool, and some of them have started to do that. Many have. Um, Google forced a little bit of that a few months back when they said only the the uh, mobile optimized sites are going to get a better ranking in the the search engine algorithm. Right. And so that forced a lot of people that maybe were kind of dragging their feet to become responsive designed or otherwise make their site mobile friendly. And so I think these are these are the baby steps that are happening, and everyone knows they need to do it, or they're going to get left behind. And so the the publishers really, in the end, I I think will be fine. Um, but the 
that in the meantime, it's the advertisers who are going to lose if 97% of their ads, according to a study by Seismic, one of the big rich media ad platforms, um, Seismic did studied like 5 billion ad impressions and found that 97% of the flash ads that were served defaulted to a static image. Wow. And if you're the brand and you're investing in, you know, a higher quality ad that's animating, um, or you're the media director who's buying media, you know, you want to, you want to make sure that it's going to play. And the creatives, of course, you know, they want to have their, their stuff seen. They take pride in their great work. And so the, the creative community has to kind of retrain the media and the creatives need to get on the same page. The publishers need to push the ad side to actually adopt HTML5. And over the course of a year, it, that's the transition that'll happen. That's what we do as an industry. We talk about stuff. Uh, we, you know, we identify issues, and some are more difficult than others. You know, we've just spent the last couple of years going through the viewability debate, right? But if we were doing this call a year ago, we might have been talking about ad viewability and how half of all the ads that are sold went unseen until the the community got religion on that and the IAB in you know insisted that uh you know, there were yeah they they just created a standard. Every ad has to be technically it has to be in view. Fifty percent of the pixels of an ad have to be in view for one second or more in order to be considered technically viewable. I, I knew someone who, um, she had a family member who worked for the Indianapolis 500 and, uh, and he sold advertising on the, the race cars. And there was one client who was, you know, he was new to the market and he was particularly obnoxious. And so he gave this guy a very, very special deal. He said, I'm going to give you this spot right here, um, right on the very back of the car. And so when you look at it, you'll you'll see it. It's just right above the tailpipe. You'll see it um, plain and clear. Um, And you do. When when the race starts for the first um, five seconds, it is plain as day. But as soon as as soon as the exhaust goes, it's covered, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> he, he kind of taught him a lesson. But yeah, it goes to that viewability. <laughs> so we saw. My point was that we solved that right as yes. an industry. We're working through those issues. It's still, you know, it's being worked out in the trenches and in the in the deals that are being cut between the advertisers, their agencies, and the publishers they sell to. But it got worked out because we we put heads together, and that's what our our excellent trade body in the Interactive Advertising Bureau IAB is doing a great job. They have done yes. And then what about um, automatic um, playing of video content? You know, it comes on, it goes off. Sometimes you know, you, you walk away, and all of a sudden there's some video playing on your um, on some you know advertising in in. You know, Huffington Post or some other site like that. Well, the the polite standard is to default with audio off first of all. So, right, a, a video might be playing, but until you engage the creative or hover over it for a second or more to activate the the audio, um, that's kind of the best practice. So, anything that's auto playing, it, it, I'm seeing more, it more and more. It's more, the, you know, and the more. The, I find it annoying, a, there's a, actually. Yeah, well, there's I a. Con- can't turn it off. Yeah, well, there's a continuum for publish. Every publisher has to consider the trade off between revenue and user experience. Right. And so if you're going to piss off your users with aggressive autoplay videos and huge takeovers, you run the risk of that user never coming back to your site. And. and- and I think this is I'm not I correct I could be wrong, but I think this is happening on some reputable sites like Huffington. Well, one I don't know about that site and what they're doing specifically, but I'll tell you one elegant ad unit that I like a lot. There's a company called Teeds, T E A D S, and they're a French company that's making their way more aggressively in the US this year. And they are—they have pioneered something called outstream video. So, if 
pre-roll ads before a YouTube video would be called in-stream. Mm-hmm. Outstream appears as you're reading the article. You might have seen a video opens up and an ad is there, but it doesn't. Like I was saying before, it doesn't. The audio doesn't play until you hover over it. But I really like this outstream format as a way to create more video inventory for advertisers. Other companies like kiosks uh, are using this format. And folks like Jetpack can help publishers create their own version of outstream video. So I just I think that's an interesting format if it's delivered politely. Um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back. We're going to wrap up with Tony and um, with and go over a few shout-outs and news announcements. We'll be back after these messages. You're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report, only on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio. T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Tony is a legend in the digital media space, and he is with uh, Winders Consulting Group. Um, and for background on Tony and our show today, go to our blog, which is at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And, um, Tony, you might know some of the people who have birthdays um, this week. Um, One of them is Jules Polonetsky, who's uh, been a friend of the show. He's been on a couple of times with the Future of Privacy Forum. And do you know Chris Kelly from the former Facebook CPO? Um, Only by name. They both have birthdays yesterday. And, of course, today is the birthday of the 42nd president of the United States, William Jefferson Clinton. So happy birthday to all of them. Um, today is also um, – it is a um, day – startup day across America. And um, they're encouraging congressmen to go home to their districts and meet with startups. Um, and it's been going on. Apparently, it's the fourth year they're doing it. And actually, I'm going to some event with Ted Lou, um, the congressman for the Silicon Beach area um, tonight. So it, it, it seems like this is a growing program, and I encourage it. So um, in terms of 
of where you think we're going in digital media. What do you think is going to be the next hot thing? I think mobile is going to be hot for a long time to come. There's a lot to figure out there. I think the convergence of uh, of the internet and television, which you know, I was excited 20 years ago to know that sometime in my career I would get to experience that, and I think we're right on top of, yeah. of that. It is happening, and I'm I'm very excited about that, and hope to have a chance to play in that field a little more. Um, you know, over the top kinds of programming are are coming that are you know new networks are being created all the time. So I think that that's op- just opens up so much possibility. I'm I'm excited about the the leveling of the playing field for everyone. The you know the accessibility of these tools are are here for everyone. You know the quality control. Um, notwithstanding you know everybody can be a publisher and their ideas can be heard and i think that just makes it an exciting time to be alive honestly now i don't know if you saw the the blog post at all but um i was struck by the the marketing campaign done for straight out of compton you know i love the you know brand yourself straight out of wherever um as a great viral tool to also market the show and I don't know if you if you saw any of the you know straight out of you know where people put their hometown and their own picture using the straight out of Compton logo. What did you think of that? Um, uh, I think it's a great idea. I haven't seen the campaign, but uh, the, just from your description of it, I think it's amazing. I hear the movie's very good. Yeah, it's actually uh, great things. But there also yeah. were some funny ones. I mean, I I put up you know uh, I put up some some shots of. Uh, um, the ones I did, I you know, did one for my dog, straight out of Dog Pound. But um, <laughs> you know, that's great. Um, it's uh, straightoutofcompton.com dot com is the official site. Is that that's where you can do it? No, it's actually straight out of anywhere or straight out of nowhere. I think is where you can do it. And uh, but there was some funny ones, you know, like with. Um, for Bill Cosby, it said straight out of Quaaludes, and and so I, I put up some um, for I put up for Ashley Madison, which is in the news this week mm-hmm. um, because of the hack. I put straight out of luck, and then I had I put up a picture of a bunch of Amazon.com workers straight out of serfdom. Um, if you've read the New York Times expose about um, working conditions at Amazon, but um, and of course for you, I put straight out of di- digital media. So we do have that theme. And for the yes, birthday I did, people, I did, I did see that. <laughs> for the birthday um, people, we had straight out of candles. We are at that stage, um, but um, so if people want to learn more about you and um, and your your consulting firm, um, where should they go? You know, uh, I was quoted in an article about personal branding last week on business dot com. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of uh, the cobbler's children have no, no shoes scenario where the best place that I kind of keep my personal branding updated is on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm in the process of updating Winders.net. It's always kind of I'm Tony at Winders.net and I'm at Tony Winders on most social platforms. So and what, in terms of the clients you're working with, what, what's what's your sweet spot? Yeah, thanks for asking, Bennett. The my my forte is doing marketing and communications for ad tech companies. It's a very specific niche. It's something that I honed my skills while I was at ValueClick and put that to work to help put Gum Gum on the map over the past few years and struck out on my own a year ago to try my hand at independent consulting and I help ad tech companies in a CMO for hire kind of capacity and build teams. I create marketing strategies, positioning for the companies and open up my experience and my network of contacts to help companies um, establish themselves in this very crowded digital advertising ecosystem. And and you you made a good move because you do have a a recognizable brand. Um, You know, I, Tony recently spoke at a, a group that I belong to of, of Silicon Beach type, um, you know, advisors. And, uh, you know, I, I keep hearing we want more people like Tony Winders. <laughs> That's a great compliment. I enjoyed that speaking opportunity and to share some advertising concepts with business professionals that are a little outside of the, of, of my world. So that was a fun, that was a really fun morning, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm. 
I'm grateful. Thank you for the for the feedback. We've yes. both been in this business a long time, and um, you know we help each other along in the community, and it's uh, you know onward. Why don't you do a little plug for um, Digital Family Reunion as well? Well, the Digital Family Reunion is a reunion of sorts for the people that we know uh, mutually through our social network here in the L.A. area. Uh, from the 90s, a lot of the Vic community comes to the Digital Family Reunion. Every December, we host a, a holiday party for the community. Um, it will be happening in the first week of December. I'm not sure if we haven't announced the date. I think we have one on the books. But the date and location will be forthcoming. You can follow it at digitalfamilyreunion.net and sign up for the email list there. It's just a fun party that we do the to keep the community together. It's a it's a labor of love and a fun project that we do. And and it's at a, you know the Skirball, it's a pretty location. But um so we only have a, a few minutes left. I want to thank you once again um for um coming and joining us in this forum and, and and as well as the other forums. Um definitely check out Tony. He's on Twitter as he said at Tony Winders. Um W I N D E R S, correct? That's it. And, Thanks, um, Bennett. This has been so a lot of fun. Definitely keep your eye on this guy. He's going to be doing great things. And also today is Happy uh, World Humanitarian Day. We recognize um, those who um, face danger and adversity in order to provide humanitarian relief across the world. So um, give, give a thought to them. And I want to thank you for joining us. We'll be back here next week for another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. Check out our blog cyberlawradio.wordpress.com and also check us out on Twitter at cyberlawradio and also check out the Internet Law Center. Um, we're at internetlawcenter.net and we are the, the internet law firm you want to go to. So we'll see you then. Have a great week, everyone. This has been a presentation of webmasterradio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get everything you need to keep your pets happy and healthy at Menards. Feed your canine companion the best with chicken soup for the soul. Their dog food is made with real quality ingredients. It provides well-balanced nutrition for supporting happy, healthy pets. Explore all our pet products in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save